You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. <laughs> It's Friday, September 18, 2020, just after market close in New York. This is the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington, joined shortly by our CEO and co-founder, Rao Pell. But first, with the day's stories, Jack Farley. Thanks, Ash. The Nasdaq continues to slump. It's down over 2% just today. In this week of equity pain that we've seen, it's been tech that's dropped the most. The theory making the rounds is that this has to do with the Fed's FOMC meeting on Wednesday, where Chairman Powell assured investors that short-term rates are nailed to the floor until as late as 2024. This should be good for stocks, right? One would think, but the reaction has been that the guidance provided on QE was insufficient, meaning that investors are worried that long-term rates might not be as muzzled as they previously anticipated. This is particularly damaging to tech valuations, which are duration-sensitive, meaning that they benefit from low long rates because they grow so fast. In other news, France's daily coronavirus cases surged above 13,000, the highest since the end of the lockdown in May. Also, the Turkish lira continues to slide as the inflation estimate for the lira rose to 11.5%. The central bank of Turkey continues to sell dollars to contain the damage, relying on its dwindling FX reserves. And lastly, the world has been turned upside down by COVID-19. Everyone knows that. That's why Real Vision is embarking on a journey to explore how COVID has impacted businesses as well as markets. Over the next two weeks, we're speaking to industry leaders and CEOs in addition to investors. On Monday, Rao starts the journey with his expert view. And on Tuesday, Ed's speaking to the head of real estate of Deloitte, Jim Barry. Rao's going to be interviewing macro titan Dmitry Baliazny, as well as legendary venture capital investor Keith Raboy. Then there's so much more. Leon Kuberman is coming back. Ed's speaking to him, as well as Ben Inker. You may not know him, but you should. He's heir apparent to Jeremy Grantham at GMO. Hugh Hendry is going to be having a peer-to-peer conversation with a reclusive macro investor with an incredible track record. And then Ral is doing a mini-series on demographic investing for the plus tier. So please join us. It's going to be a journey like none other. With that, let's go over to Ash and Ral. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Happy Friday and welcome back, Raoul. It's Friday. It's September the 18th. And welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. <laughs> it's always good to be here, Ash. I just love thing. the intro. My heart's pounding before you start. <laughs> we'll have trumpets next week. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So, Raoul. You know, the story of the week, uh, the extraordinary story slash non-story of uh, great news flow, extraordinary statement from Jay Powell, chairman of the Fed, and yet markets just go sideways. A little weaker. Well, well, I'm a macro guy, so markets for me are broader than other people. We'll come to the equity market in a bit. But last week and the week before and the week before that, I said there's nothing going on. Yeah. And there is literally nothing going on. I mean, I think 10-year bond yields, I think I remarked last week that they moved two basis points. I think they've moved two basis points this week. Literally, 
I haven't seen a collapse of volatility like this for a while, where just everything, I'm, I'm looking at the chart of the euro on my screen, sideways, two-year notes, sideways, 10-year notes, sideways. Oil broke down last week, recovered a bit. Gold, sideways. It's different. Even Bitcoin, yeah, recovered a bit, but it's basically still in a range. I mean, everything is range bound. It's like a miserable range of death going on because everybody wants to push their narrative. And I warned about people last week. Is like you're just hoping for it to break. You have to wait for the actual break because these kind of markets kill you because you keep trying and then you get stopped out if you're trying to, you know, time your entries or you're sitting on options and they just bleed to death to right. nowhere because nothing's going anywhere. So whatever you think about volatility, it's currently overpriced because, I mean, literally all prices are kind of nailed. Even the Fed balance sheet is nailed flat. I put a tweet out about this. I mean, everything, emerging market currencies, flat. DXY, flat. It's almost nothing but the equity market. Mm. There's something there, and I talked about it last week, and Ed and I talked about it the week before or the week before that, <coughs> that I was starting to see DMARC counts, weekly DMARC counts, which are technical indicators that I use, that were saying maybe the market's going to stop and pause here. I noticed that there was using the relative strength index, the RSI, another technical pattern, that it had been downtrending when the market was uptrending. That's called a divergence, and that often leads to a change of price action. It was happening at a daily level and a weekly level. When those kind of things start happening, I start to take it seriously. And the markets had formed what's known as a megaphone top. And if you think of the trumpet we were talking about in the beginning, it's that kind of broadening out triangle, the opposite way of a triangle that goes together. So if you think of the gold chart right now, it's a triangle getting narrower and narrower and narrower, waiting for the breakout. This is one that goes wider and wider and wider. That expanding range of volatility often means there's a trend change. So we touched the top of that. We've come off. Then I said last week that, okay, we're starting to come off. We need what I call the GMI crash pattern. And that's when the market comes down. It retraces, let's say 50%, somewhere around that of the move, and then rolls down and takes out the low. We tried to do that today. Didn't really follow through. Also, the sell-off, the size of the sell-off has been relatively small. So this feels like this is either just a corrective move and not a, a broader top pattern, or we need to have a much broader top pattern playing out, which still kind of makes me think that we're unlikely to see any real action yet. It's possible. If the bond market, and I'm using two-year yields as a great example, they've been, they bounced twice across 10 basis points. And they rallied up again, and they're trying to, go back down again. They're currently today at 13 basis points. In fact, just went up to 14 basis points. They're barely moving, right? This is one basis point to the other. But if it breaks 10, then the chart pattern would suggest it's probably going to zero. So what does that mean to everybody? It means that the market's saying economic growth is going to be less than expected, and therefore rates are going to remain lower, or even there's a probability of negative rates. Now everyone goes, yeah, that's outrageous. It's never going to happen. Well, England just announced it this week that we're going that they're going to negative rates. The market's been pricing it. The market always prices it first. The central banks follow. That's the way of it. And I've always said the bond market is the is the truth. Just listen to it. Right now it's going sideways. So it's telling us that it's unlikely that equities break because there's nothing underlying that's potentially change. But if that bond market starts breaking lower in yield, it tells you the forward expected growth forecasts are changing. And when the bond market tells you that, you listen. Yeah. 
you know, that tracks uh, really nicely with some of the conversations that Ed Harrison and I have been having throughout the week. The idea that we have uh, a deceleration of the recovery. Uh, specifically, you've got uh, improvement at a decelerating rate. We've seen this uh, time and again. We've seen it in retail sales. We've seen it in various aspects of the housing market uh, and even in the improvements in initial claims for job uh, for unemployment. Yeah, and um, look, I mean, the, the key level, the key thing is look at, and you see them posted around the web, is the kind of weekly real-time data that's coming out from various sources now. And globally, they've all done the same. They fell, they rallied, they flatlined. They're all flatlining. Now, some of them are trending up a bit, but if you were to draw that line, you're not going to get to above zero GDP growth until next summer. So we need to be careful here. And I keep talking about this, and I produced a, we'll come on to a bit, a big piece for Real Vision that comes out on Monday morning that I'll give people the markers that you see. But at a simple level, watch the banking stocks. They've been trending sideways, but they look like bonds. They look like they're ready to break lower at some point. If that happens, it tells us something's changed. Um, also, um, the European banks did start breaking lower today, and that's after 73 billion of cash injection into the European banks, they broke lower. So there's some signals out there that things are changing, but it's not clear yet, and the economy is still a bit sideways. And my thesis is a sideways economy over time leads to more insolvencies, but we have to wait and see. Yeah. And that makes sense for the reasons that we've discussed. You know, you have these, the data's uh, very weak for long periods of time. It starts to erode balance sheets ultimately. Exactly. Exactly. If you've got cash flow and debt, after a while it becomes a problem because you run out of cash. So, so if you've got impaired cash flow, so that that's a real situation. But solvency events take a long time to play out. You know, as Ernest Hemingway said in uh, "The Sun Also Rises," is you know, how did you go bankrupt suddenly and then all at once? And that's how it works. Yeah. So it doesn't happen quickly. So people are expecting something, some fireworks. You'll generally see a bleed. And then the bleed picks up pace as more blood, you know, more bloodletting happens from more corporations, more small businesses and households. So that's what's really on my radar screen. And the question of how do the alligator's jaws close? Is it all of these indebted entities like the banks and the triple B equities rallying because everything's okay? Or is it those crazy outperformers catching up with the rest of the market? And that's the thrilling, the, 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 the thrilling suspense that we've got. That's the next three months. By the end of the year, this is going to play out one way or the other, and that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and interestingly enough, Ed's been talking about a very similar time frame in the September, October uh, for, for very similar issues uh, to play out. Yeah, exactly. So let's see. But, you know, the reality is feels like there's going to be no election result till January. Okay. So, <laughs> so that means... I don't know whether that causes volatility or it causes no volatility until somebody knows what party is coming in and therefore what economic changes can happen. Dear God, I hope not. That's what people are talking about. Let's see. Who the hell knows? I think everyone's pretty apocalyptical nowadays because everyone's had enough. So, But that's the worst case scenario everyone can imagine is no, no election outcome. And people yeah. are starting to focus on that. So maybe any election outcome is a good one as opposed to no outcome. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Riley, you said something a few minutes ago that I've wanted to ask you about for a few weeks now. You talked about the high-frequency data. You talked about that are closer to real time. Tell us, what are those data series? How are you tracking them? And why do you think they're significant? Well, I've tried to build an index from it, and I'm not smart enough. So, um, And Remy's trying to go at it. It's not easy. So there are Google mobility data, Android mobility data, but mobility data is really only good for lockdowns. Where are you in the lockdown state? That doesn't help. Then there are um, TomTom for traffic. Again, great for lockdowns. You can tell certain elements of how society is moving around. Then the New York Fed have an index, which has been rising, but it's still low, uh, which is their weekly indicator. Jefferies, the investment bank, has a great data series on this. Um, so I've been using the Jefferies series, and I posted some on Twitter. If anybody wants to look at those, uh, they're out there. Trackthecovery.org, but it looks like some of the data is now becoming out of date. So I'm, I'm struggling again where to find all of the relevant information. Um, so you have to kind of piece it together because it seems that Jefferies are the only people I know that have created an index which kind of takes into account all of this. Yeah. Rob, maybe one of our brilliant subscribers, a physicist, nuclear engineer, or cosmologist is going to figure out how to do it and post it in the exchange. Yeah, I tell you what, we're also, I'm also doing the exchange. Just speaking to some um, guys, very smart guys, who've built um, the Real Vision bots you might have seen on Twitter. They basically, um, they run algorithmic-based strategies for um, Munich Re in Germany, and they also have their own firm called Two Quants. Um, and they've been using transcript data to look at bullishness and bearishness of our guests versus CFTC positioning, which bizarrely our guests are more positive and people would have said we're a bear fest, but we don't seem to be. And uh, Moritz, that both called Moritz, uh, Moritz is going to build for us a survey so we can create sentiment data from the exchange as well. So we'll have our user sentiment, our guest sentiment, and then the market sentiment. So we'll have a data series, and we'll make the data series available for people who want to use it in their own um, calculations and stuff. Another great way to use the exchange. Well, there'll be a survey every week. Moritz is figuring out exactly what the questions are, how we want to do it, and he's a lot of experience in structuring this. So super exciting. Really interesting. Yeah, I mean, the power of now having a two-way conversation with our customers, our members, is, is incredible. It's game-changing. So you can get involved in all sorts of things and create things together, work together on stuff. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, I've been at Real Vision since 2017. It's the most interesting and innovative thing I've seen happen. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's really amazing. And it's only just started. And people have to realize that it's only been out for two weeks. It's still a minimum viable product. People like get impatient, like, can you put all these features? Like, yes, we're building a list. A, we didn't build the product, so we have to work with another product team to do it. It takes time. So, yes, it's not perfect, and nothing like this will ever be perfect. But just bear with us. We will build it as fast as we can to make it as perfect as possible. But, my God, the amount of engagement on that platform is ridiculous already. I mean, it's stunning how many people are involved, posting good ideas. And what I'm loving is the community is asking questions. I don't understand this. How do people think about that? What are you guys doing about that? And the community's answering. So everyone's providing value to each other. And I talk about that, the hive mind. And that is what the exchange is building as a hive mind. Hence why we can do things like sentiment surveys as well, because it's just adding value to all the members. And 
you know, it's just empowering for everybody. Yeah, I feel like we're unleashing a revolution. It's really about kind of doing what Real Vision has always been about, which is just, uh, which is democratizing the conversation. And now we're able to do that in a way that we've never been able to do it before because the technology allows us to. Yeah. Um, the next thing we'll have to do is moderation. We have some unruly behavior on the platform um, and we don't encourage that. We're a place where smart people come to learn and exchange ideas. And I'm not really interested in opinionated attacking nonsense about people. Um, so it's all part of community, right? So we need to set the exchange rules, which we haven't done yet, because yeah. it's another thing on the list. And Jay-Z has been on holiday, who's the product manager who runs this whole thing. He's been on holiday this week because he's exhausted after la launching it. So, you know, we get that. It's all part of startup life, and it's fun. Yeah, he did a Zoom call today uh, from his car. We were <laughs> a video from his car. But listen, I, I would like to say, though, you know, we've had a little bit of that, but uh, the extraordinary thing is how well it's gone. And that's really just a testament to the strength of our community uh, and the fact that people are really interested in having these conversations overwhelmingly uh, in an incredibly civil way, interested in spreading information, interested in spreading ideas, uh, and not interested in yelling at each other. It's not Twitter, thank God. Well, I, you know, I asked people a week ago, two weeks ago, I can't even remember now, to do a video, tell us how you use Real Vision. Oh my God, we've had like 80 videos so far. And they started coming through, and you don't know, because you know your kind of customer demographics. We knew they were, on average, 38 years old, 76% millennial and Gen X, and a bunch of baby boomers as well. So we're pretty broad spread, but skewed young. We knew that they were smart, but when you see these guys, it's like nuclear physicists, um, no, sorry, um, who we had? We've had neuroscientists from South Korea and astrophysicists and product managers and engineers and miners. And, and then there's investment advisors and students. And we've had videos in from Mauritius, from Sweden, from oh. India, from, I mean, it's just incredible that the... And what I've learned from it is, who are the Real Vision tribe? Who are these people that love Real Vision, the people watching this today? And it became evidently clear is you cannot define them by anything, by politics, religion, color, geographic location, except for one thing. They're the learning tribe. Everybody's here to learn. And that's amazing. Amazing to have a place where people are actively interested in learning more. And all using their unique training, specialty, uh, and framework to help further the conversation in ways that we wouldn't think of, right? I mean, fascinating. Yeah. I, I mean, incredible. I mean, there's a whole, you know, there's a university lecturer who's built an algorithm that he uses for trading, of which he uses real vision for inputs. I mean, it's, I mean, that's that's one of the more extreme ends. And well, there's Moritz and Moritz who are using scraping transcript data to to create a real vision bot and but really to analyze markets and stuff and then we've got other people who are running business i mean there's a guy who runs game reserves in south africa but you know what's the what's the key denominating or driving factor for his business the dollar mm. right south africans are acutely aware of their currency because Tourism numbers go up and down accordingly. So, you know, just fascinating yeah. how different people from different walks of life and yeah. different experiences. I mean, some people are 30 years in financial markets. Other years, of, other people have just walked in since COVID and said, I need to know this shit. And are now going through the, what, what are they saying? What do they mean? I mean, it's amazing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So interesting and, and really fun for us. And, you know, people who have these extraordinary quantitative skills using their uh, abilities to build models. There was one gentleman who I believe he runs a call center and was talking about how it, he used that information uh, to think about sentiment. I mean, such a fascinating and interesting cross section of people. Yeah, it is. You know, it's really, we're inc- incredibly blessed all of us to be able to get together as a community and that's great one thing that um i'm really excited about is is look one of the questions i get most often is kind of has everything changed you know the world seems that so many things have accelerated since covid or things have got worse or better or what's happening to real estate what is going on has it all changed and I've been thinking about that for a while. And I thought, you know, what we need to do is bring on the world's best experts on this. So next week and the week after, for two weeks, we're just looking at through the prism, the lens of has everything changed? To ask people what's going on in real estate, what's going on in various industry sectors. We'll get some CEOs involved. What's going on in markets, you know, the active versus passive or whatever it may be, these kind of weird dichotomies that are happening. Has it all changed? I think that's really important for people because people need to know where we're going, what may be a false dawn, and what's a real trend change. Because you know, powerful trend changes, they can be incredibly profitable, or false trend changes that reverse can be incredibly profitable or risky, depending which way you are in it. So I think that's good. People are going to find a lot of value coming up. And I'm going to kick it all off with my expert view. So I think one of the, probably even our biggest piece of content for the entire year was my unfolding, um, which was when I laid out my economic thesis at the beginning of COVID of how I thought this would play out. So this is the third part of that, which is the end of the hope phase and the beginning of the insolvency phase, as I see it in its probabilities. Again, there's no certainties. I have no crystal crystal ball. I never claim to have. But hopefully I'll give people a lot of understanding of how to think about what's going on, whether you're a retiree, whether you're a student, or whether you're somewhere in the middle in your financial journey in life, or whether you're just running a business. Hopefully there's some something in there for everybody. I was trying to keep everybody in my mind when I was explaining and going through it, what it might mean for them. Yeah, these are all such important questions, and sometimes it's easy to get lost in the weeds, to get focused or fixated on things that we're tracking minutely. But these big picture questions, I think, are absolutely critical to building a framework where we can understand what's happening now. Yeah. The other thing that I'm super interested with, I'm very excited, um, I'm getting to interview Dimitri Baliazny. Now, those of you in the macro hedge fund industry, you'll go, Dimitri Baliazny never appears anywhere. Um, he runs a hedge fund platform that he built, Baliazny, um, Asset Management. And he's one of the smartest, mild-mannered, incredible people in the industry that's got an incredible track record and built a phenomenal business. So he's like one of the OGs of the hedge fund space. And he's coming on Real Vision to come and talk to us. So I can't wait to pick his brain about the industry, markets, what he thinks changed what's going on, and how he sees everything evolve, because he's one of the smartest people in the world. So, you know, wait up for that one, because that was that's going to be a killer. Talking of killer interviews, you haven't seen it yet, but you will watch it tonight. 
is the Michael Saylor interview. Uh, micro strategies. I mean, holy shit, that was a good interview. He is so awesome, inspiring, intellectual, invigorating, and alive. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the story, um, uh, MicroStrategy uh, recently was getting a lot of pickup in the headlines because they took this rather interesting step of bringing uh, Bitcoin onto their corporate treasury balance sheet. So a really interesting story, an interesting angle. And I've heard amazing things about this interview, Rao. Yeah. I mean, read the comment section, read Twitter, and even read Michael Saylor's tweets to me about this. Uh, it's It's pretty amazing, I must admit. You know, it's two hours long. It's the kind of content you didn't find anywhere. I mean, he did Pomp's podcast, and I love Pomp, and he does a great job. But Pomp, you only got an hour and 24 minutes. We got two hours. <laughs> and it was that 40 minutes that you missed everything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's, uh, it's great. But also, just while, while uh, we're talking about the crypto thing, obviously, the crypto tier launch, which is amazing, very exciting. Some of you had problems watching content on your app, there was a problem with Apple and a few of the other things, that's all gone in for change. So you might need to refresh your app, but uh, it's all now on your platform. So, you know, knock your socks off. And it's all it's all free for everybody right now. So just enjoy it, because there's a lot of great content. I mean, the uh, um, Tom's, the interview from Fidelity was amazing as well. Yeah. Uh, he did a great interview to kick it off with Chris Sullivan. So there's a lot of great content to come from that. Um, so. I just want to make sure that people realize that you've all got access. People are like, I'm a plus member. Have I got not got access? No, it's because the app's broken. If, if you've got any problem, just go on the website. It's there and knock your socks off. Because that yeah. interview is worth two hours of your time. It's probably worth a really good bottle of wine tonight. And sit down and enjoy. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it myself. Ralph, anything we should be looking at for the week ahead? Uh, and what should we be thinking about as we think about that? Well, when we're doing our thinking about the thinking about... I would, I would say I'm going to repeat the same old shit. Look at the bond yields. Look at the banks. Those are going to give you your signal. I see the price in, in the S&P and the NASDAQ and what it's doing. I'm not convinced yet that this is, you know, this is the time to get in and pile in. I think if it is, it'll be a broader top pattern. So let's wait and see. Don't get overexcited. Don't overtrade. Wait for the ranges to break. You, there'll be something that triggers that. I don't know what it is. Which way it breaks, I don't know. I think bond yields break lower and banks break lower. Maybe I'm wrong, but let's just wait. The euro, again, will give us a signal. The dollar's probably going to give us a signal here. But just, it's okay when there's nothing going on. Just watch them all real vision. Start jotting down notes of things you are interested in, things, trades that you might want to do, investments you might want to take, levels. Just do your homework. Quiet times is time to do your homework and not push a narrative. Uh, you know, and then in times like this, just fade out stuff like Twitter. There's too much noise. Everybody's got an opinion. Just take some time to breathe and say, okay, where am I? What am I looking for? How am I thinking the world's working? And let's see what confirms that. So these quiet moments are actually good once you realize it's quiet. But then usually what happens is when you realize it's quiet and you're now prepared, all hell breaks loose. So, <laughs> so the moment we all come to terms with no volatility, there'll be hyper-volatility. Yeah. Perfect advice heading into the weekend. Exactly. And if not, there's always wine. <laughs> well said. I'll be thinking about thinking about that shortly. <laughs> I'm Ash Benningson for Real Vision Daily Briefing. <laughs> Ralph, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ash. Have a great weekend, everyone. Uh... 
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.